Everyone, it is Saturday, and that means your favorite part of the week is upon you. A new episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. My favorite part of the week is recording it every Friday, and that's what we are doing right now at the moment. And it has been quite a uh, quite a week, very interesting week. I made some bold predictions for Iowa. I was wrong. Uh, that's that is per usual. I also said Alex Bowman would win Pocono, and I said that. Uh, well, I said Ryan Priest would win a race this year, and I still I'm gonna hold true to that. I like my boy in the 47. Speaking of my boy in the 47, I want to go on a side story here. Last week at Stafford Motor Speedway was the Open 80, the Twisted T Open 80, and I was expecting the usual contenders to win: Mike Christopher Jr., Rocco Miller, Brian Narducci, you know, guys like that. I was expecting one of those. And then as I'm putting on my shoes to leave the house, and I get to the track by 2 o'clock for 7 o'clock features. So it's like 1.15 in the afternoon or so. I'm putting on my shoes. I'm getting ready to go. And I happen to check Twitter, and I see Stafford Motor Speedway has just tweeted, well, Ryan Priest is in the house. And I'm going, what? Yeah, apparently Ryan Priest was... He said he was going to go race up at Riverhead, which is a track in New York uh, where they race mods, and they had a race on Saturday of last week. And I guess Ryan Priest just said, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to Stafford. Let's see what we got." Shows up, no pit crew, no pit box, nothing. He's got the tools in the back of his antique truck, and apparently this truck has been in racing for years because it is the coolest truck I've ever seen as well. Just Shows up with the truck, with the car, couple of tools, and gets to work. Goes out, first practice, I think he was like 8th place, but he was passing cars, he was pretty quick. And I'll tell you what, I have never seen someone working that hard. And this is the the honest truth. When I went over and I talked to Ryan Freeze, we were going to do an inter- with, interview with him before the race. And he said, he, I said, hey Ryan... I work for the track. My name's Jeff. We're going to, you know, if it's possible, if you have time, we'd like to do a quick interview and it'd get put up on Facebook. And he goes, listen, man, I'm really sorry. I would love to, but I've got a lot of work to do. And he gets right back to work and I go, hey, that's no problem at all. Totally understand. And I come back, you know, I would check in. I walk around the garage uh, before the race. I talk to the drivers so I can, so they know me if they do a victory lane interview. It's not, it's not awkward. You know, we have some sort of chemistry between me and at least most of the drivers. I try and get as many as possible. So I would stop by, and every single time I walked around for like three hours straight, Ryan Priest was underneath his car working, and just non-stop. And him alone. He was the only one working on this car. And he goes out, and race time comes around, and he fights his way up to the front, and he leads from like lap 20 to lap 55. And in the rules, it said you have to make a pit stop for two tires at some point in the race, right? Any point you want, you have to pit, you have to take two tires. And most people made their pit stops a little before lap 40 or right on or maybe a little after lap 40. Lap 48, Ryan Priest comes in. He is the last person to pit. And so, you know, race is still under green, and actually, I think he pit under caution, to be fair, which means he took the restart in last place. It took about 10 laps for him to get back up to the front in a 20-something car field, 20-odd car field, and just fought his way right back up to the front, dominated from there, won the race. 
was not on the entry list before before he showed up. Legitimately showed up the morning of the race, said, I'm going to race, built the entire car himself with no pit box, no pit crew. He had to borrow the 7NY's pit crew to do his pit stop, and that's why he made the last stop, because every other pit crew was already busy. And he goes out, wins the race, absolutely dominates. I had the pleasure of doing two interviews with him. I did the Victory Lane interview, and people absolutely loved, uh, not the interview part, but the fact that he won. And people were going crazy in the stands. It was it was awesome. And then I did a post-race interview, which I retweeted, and it's up on Facebook and everything else. And that was just so cool. having Being able to have a face-to-face conversation with not only a Cup Series driver, but a tour modified one of the best and he he just he gets it he absolutely gets it and embodies the old fashioned spirit of build the car yourself and go out and win it and if you don't win it's all on you cuz you did all the work like it's it's incredible flat out just absolutely blows my mind and I know I can't be biased but it if races are won on hard work then Ryan Fries would win every single modified race out there. I can promise you. And get this. So they do tech inspection, right, after the race for the top five. And I, I finally get over there. I had, you know, other things to do. So I, I get over there, and I'm standing in the tech inspection bay, and I see Ryan Fries is just pulling things out of his car like crazy. He's got the gears out of the transmission. He's got a spring out. He's, he's talking to the car owners and everything else. And he's going, we need a new this, this, that. You know, I need I need the new gear that we're putting in for Riverhead. And the tech inspection guy walks over. And Ryan goes, do you need to see the gear? He goes, no, I can just look in and count it. And he goes, well, I've got the gear out. And this is 10 minutes after the race ended. 10 minutes from checkered flag. He's got the gear out of the car. And he's putting in a new one. He goes, here's the gear. Take it. I'm putting in a new one. I'm going to Riverhead. Finishes up the interview with me about 15 minutes later. Cars rolled over to his truck, loads it up, packs it in, and goes over to Riverhead. I don't know how he finished there, I'm sorry, but man, oh man, is he just unbelievably hardworking. And now, he's going to go over and race the K&N race, K&N West race at Sonoma, which is our next topic of your conversation. People are not happy about that. People are not happy that mostly Austin Dillon is going down and running this K&N, K&N West series race. And to those people... It's not the same as Kyle Busch doing it. Austin Dillon, one, is not on the same level as Kyle Busch because nobody's on the same level as Kyle Busch these days. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm not a Kyle Busch fanboy, but I'm a realist. Realistically, he is absolutely dominant in the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series. You just can't beat that. You you hate greatness, and I, I know the feeling. I hate it, too. It's absolutely infuriating because he has the attitude of, uh, of, a, of a dead horse, you know? Not a very good one. <laughs> that expression makes no sense, but we're going to roll with it. It's it's a, it's a statement. It's to be interpreted, just like the name of this show. Interpret it how you will. But I I personally have no issue with Austin Dillon going down and running the K&N West Series race. I understand how hard it is for those guys to run out. It's hard enough on them to go out and run ovals. Put them on a road course, and it's just, it's it's unbelievable. That's why you have road course ringers. Like, back when Marcos Ambrose was racing, he had a shot to win twice a year. Sonoma and Watkins Glen. 
those were the races where you would expect him to run at the front. Every other race, he would be running 25th. Same thing with A.J. Allmendinger. And, you know, you, you have a couple of the crossover guys, Jeff Gordon, Tony Seward, that can dominate on both. Jimmy Johnson for a while there, but I don't remember the last time he won a road course race. But, you know, you can be good at both, but it's rare. And to get that experience on the track with the old layout, I'm saying, with the old layout, I would absolutely understand that. Even more so with the new layout, which they haven't run in a stock car in, what, 20 years since 1998, I think it was? 97, 98? They have not run the carousel, which is going to be an absolute nightmare for crew chiefs because now it's, you know, you're redefining the turns and everything else. You have an entire extra elevation change being put in, and because that's a pretty big hill. It doesn't look like a lot, but going... You're looking up a pretty steep hill, and you're coming down around that corner. You're turning and going downhill, and you're on and off the gas. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Plus, that hairpin turn at the end of it. I don't know the names of the turns and numbers or anything like that yet, but I imagine not many other people do either, so if I can just describe it well enough, I'm hoping you all understand. So you have the carousel part now, and then you have almost a a U-turn that goes into the S's. And I think that's where there's going to be the most passing, personally. Because if you miss your braking zone there, you are going off into just uh, garbage, garbage track, you know. No rubber on it or anything. It's probably a little choppy and everything else. So if you miss your braking zone by the tiniest bit, you're going to go off there. I'm expecting a couple wrecks there during practices and everything else. I'm excited to watch it watch this race. It's going to be absolutely freaking awesome. And that brings me to my next point of the surprise I had for last week. I hope everyone had a fantastic Father's Day. But I think uh, for gifts, this one's going to be hard to beat. So Starcom Racing ran a promotion where if you donated to a GoFundMe for a police uh, department in Michigan for body cameras, right? They wanted body cameras, and they just needed funds for general things. If you donated X amount of dollars, your name would go on the back of the car. So I donated, you know, the minimum was X amount of dollars, and I donated enough to put a name on the car, so I was going to put my dad's name on there for his Father's Day gift. His name would be on a race car. And something happened, and his name didn't get on. I contacted Starcom, and they were like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry, you know, because I sent in, like, proof that I actually paid and everything else, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry, we're going to make it up to you, we're going to put his name on the quarter panel at Sonoma, so if you go and look at Starcom Racing's car, his name should be on a sticker, I say should be, I haven't seen it personally yet, but they have assured me repeatedly that it's going to be on there, and pictures are going to be tweeted out once it once it's uh, on there, but I'm, I'm so excited. That is one really awesome of Starcom Racing to do where they had that mistake. Not anybody's fault. Technology is weird, and it sucks sometimes, and it's glitchy, and it just got lost in the cracks, and I totally understand that. But his name didn't get on the car, and to make up for it, they sent me a shirt, a hat. Maybe they're trying to win me over. I mean, I'm an influencer now, people. I influence your opinions on NASCAR. No, they they sent a shirt, a hat for him, and um, put his. They're putting his name on the quarter panel. So I wanted to say it here on the podcast. Starcom Racing, good on you. 
that was one an awesome promotion to work with that police department, and two, when a small mistake like that happened, you went well above and beyond any reasonable expectation to make things right, and it's absolutely appreciated beyond measure. So, Starcom Racing, good on you. We've hit the 12 minute 15 second mark, which means it's time to talk trucks. Which means Xfinity. What? I don't know how my, my mind jumped to that. We're going to talk trucks, which means Xfinity. <laughs> no. Which means Gateway. I guess it has a new name now, but we're going to go with Gateway. Gateway is coming up on the day that this podcast releases tomorrow for me. My pick to win is going to be. Anthony Alfredo. Total shock. Nobody saw it coming. <laughs> but I think Anthony has a good shot at winning. I say this every week, and I'm going to say it every single week until that boy wins. Just like he did on stream on Wednesday night. I was spotting for him. Anthony Alfredo got his first win on Twitch. At Alfredo underscore plays. Very entertaining content. We got dumped by Ryan Vargas. Absolute garbage on his part. But we made up for it with some Twitter banter, so it's all good. Things have smoothed over. But I think Alfredo's got a shot to win this gateway race. Johnny Sauter has the worst chances of the truck regulars to win this race because he's going to be racing in a completely different state after dumping Austin Hill. I don't know how I feel about that suspension. I can see both sides of it, but... Sauter moved Hill, and Hill was not happy about that, and dumped Sauter. Flat out dumped him. And it's it's like NASCAR is sending the message of once your car is wrecked, that's when you can no longer retaliate. So it's sending the message of if you take the other guy out first, he's going to be the one punished if he comes back after you. Because Sauter's truck was destroyed, and Austin Hill's was fine. So Johnny Sauter made it even. He made things even with Austin Hill by wrecking him. And you have the safety issues of that and everything, and he did put his his grill into the driver's side door, which is, you know, that's over the line. It wasn't intentional that he did that, but it happened, and you have to consider that, take it with a grain of salt. But for NASCAR to send that message of whoever's truck is wrecked first is the loser... Well, that's just encouraging the guys to, if they're if they're mad enough, just dump the other guy, wreck his stuff. I don't know how I feel about that message. And it doesn't seem like NASCAR is all too upset about it, because they're using it for all their promos. I've gotten, you know, pop-up banners on my phone for, watch this YouTube video, Johnny Sauter wrecks Austin Hill, and, you know, like a bunch of emojis around it and everything else, and... It's on Twitter and Instagram and everything else. It's like, what do you think about this, is what NASCAR's saying. Man, if you're going to discourage behavior, don't use it as a focal point for bringing in more viewers. Don't make the sport look like it's just a wreck fest, a bunch of hot-headed rednecks that go out and take each other out. Because that's the stereotype we already have. Everyone already thinks a fan of NASCAR is a hot-headed redneck. Don't make it worse. Don't dig your feet in the sand. Don't make this the hill we die on. That's not the way to do this. Now, I'm no marketing master. I don't, I don't, I'm not in PR. I study engineering and want to go into sports broadcasting. Trust me, I'm no, I'm no master of marketing. But what I do know is if you have a negative stereotype and your viewership is going down... Don't dig in your heels. That's the wrong time to do it. 
That's the wrong time to say, look at us, a whole bunch of rednecks around dumping each other on the track and then getting suspended for it. No, it's the wrong time and place. Like, ugh, I just don't get it sometimes. NASCAR, I love you. I hate you. I just don't know anymore. But my pick to win, Gateway, my boy, Anthony Alfredo. That's what we're going with. The Sonoma Road Course, I really think... Kevin Harvick is hungry for a win. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off, but I would say my money is going to be on Kevin Harvick for the win on Sunday. That's the prediction we're going with. That's kind of gutsy, but he was having a heck of a race last year and just got Cole Pern just sort of put them in the ground with a fantastic strategy call from Martin Truex Jr., and he ended up winning the race, but... I think Kevin Harvick, you know, fool me once, shame on you. That's what Kevin Harvick is saying. But it's going to be a great race. I hope you're all watching. Daryl Waltrip's last day up in the booth. It's going to be it's going to be sad. I I really do. I know it's a love-hate relationship uh with him and NASCAR where people either love him or absolutely despise him and want him gone and fire him from the booth, take away all his money. We hate Daryl Waltrip. He sucks. I hate him. No, there's a lot of people like that, but I really do enjoy DW up in the booth. He works really well with Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy. I I would be shocked if they went to just uh Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon up in the booth for next season. I I would I would enjoy it. But I think Larry Mack being up there would be good, and that's what a lot of people are saying, and that's what, truthfully, I think will happen. And then, after this, you all complain about Daryl Waltrip. Just wait until we get Rutledge Wood back, because he is absolutely a fan favorite. I'm on the fence about him, but personally, I I think the Fox broadcasting is better than NBC's. I I enjoy the commentators more. I like, personally, Mike Joy a whole lot more than any of the NBC guys. Any one of them. And I think Dale Jr. as an announcer was a great move, but I hope that this season he's more in his groove because last season it sort of felt like he he wasn't really sure of the best way to go about it. He would go from very calm to pretty much almost almost yelling, slide job, slide job, and that's not to say don't get excited, but it's just such a such a contrast, you know, every minute, if that makes any sense. And I hope he finds that good middle ground and becomes the announcer that he can be. I think he can be really good. It just takes a long time to get in that groove. And it was the same thing for Jeff Gordon, and I'm sure the same thing for Mike Joy, and I'm sure next year I'm going to be like, I'm going to hear some of the announcing that I'm doing, and I'm going to be like, wow, that was some hot garbage I did last year, being this year. But Hey, who knows? I'm just I'm just the guy who makes a podcast on Friday mornings and posts them on Saturday. That's all I am. That's all I do. But speaking of that, I'm on Twitter at Bottled Up Radio. That's where I interact with people the most. I'm on Facebook at Bottled Up. You all know where to find me on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, I'm probably there. You know that because you're listening to my podcast, but tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your parents, tell your kids, tell your pets, and see if they'll listen in too. At Bottled Up Radio on Twitter, if you want to give me a follow there and interact with me, absolutely love it. I do a lot of iRacing if you ever want to race there. We work with Midwest Motor Customs, $5.00. Bottled up paint scheme, customize your name on the door. You know, you get to input your own design and all that stuff. And it looks pretty darn cool. I run them a lot. I run them on the truck, the modified, 
the cup cars. Oh gosh, what else? Um, I think that's it. That's all that I run them on because that's pretty much all that I run. But if you want to run them, any car, road course, anything, you know, road course car, oval car, anything, Midwest Motor Customs, it's $5. And they look really cool. So check them out on Facebook. Thank you all so much for listening into this episode of Bottled Up.